Hey, everyone. It is Monday, December 11th. You are listening to the Mo News Podcast. I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. We read all of the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. As you could tell, it is just me today. Mosh, not feeling great. Hope everyone, though, had a really nice weekend. If you are in the New York City area right now, it is likely wet and windy. That is how this day is starting. So stay safe out there. The wind gusts supposed to get up to 50, 60 miles per hour. All right, let's get to some news here. Penn's Liz McGill resigned, and now there is growing pressure on the presidents of Harvard and MIT to do the same. To the Middle East, where things stand on the ground and a potential timeline for when fighting could end. To politics, Donald Trump not taking the stand in his New York fraud trial. Severe storms tear through central Tennessee, leaving a deadly trail of destruction. The housing market is frozen, we'll explain. Love self-checkout or hate self-checkout. More stores say they're going to go back to cashiers. And the Golden Globe nominees will be announced this morning, but it looks like Nobody wants to host the awards show. I'll tell you why. Plus, I will do my best with On This Day in History. Okay, starting with a follow-up to that story we talked about last week, the University of Pennsylvania will soon be assigning an interim president. On Saturday, UPenn's president, Liz McGill, resigned. It came amid pressure from Penn and Wharton boards, donors, and alumni. She will be staying at Penn as a faculty member at the law school. And her resignation came about four days after she appeared before Congress. And like the presidents of MIT and Harvard, refused to say whether or not students who called for the genocide of Jews should be punished or whether that violated school policy. The chairman of Penn's board, Scott Bach, announced that he as well would be resigning. At this point, the two other presidents who testified last week to Congress, Harvard's Claudine Gay and MIT's Sally Kornbluth, have not resigned. Pressure is building, though, from donors, Congress members and alumni. At this point, Gay has given no indication that she is considering resigning. And over at MIT, the governing board has given its support to Dr. Kornbluth, so unclear what's going to be happening there. Now, the reaction to McGill's resignation at Penn has been mixed. Some of Penn's faculty members say they are worried about academic freedom. According to the New York Times, a group of Penn professors have denounced what they see as outside interference that they say has imperiled the university's integrity. On the other hand, there are some Jewish students that tell CNN that they feel like this is at least a step in the right direction to help them feel safe on campus. Other groups say that this doesn't go nearly far enough. They say that the president's testimony and asking them to step down simply fixes a symptom of a much bigger problem at the nation's universities. In an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, whose questioning of the university presidents went viral, wrote, quote, that there has been a mainstreaming of anti-Jewish hate since the attacks on October 7th, that it's been under the guise of free speech. She notes Harvard placed dead last among 248 universities on the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expressions College Free Speech Rankings. 
She says what constitutes bullying and harassment at Harvard. There was a mandatory Title IX training last year that warned all undergraduate students that, quote, fat phobia and using the wrong pronouns qualified as abuse and perpetuated, quote, violence on campus. And yet she notes that when it comes to the genocide of Jews, the university's presidents say that it, quote, depends on the context. I also want to mention that the U.S. government itself has now opened investigations into several schools, including Columbia, Cornell and Harvard, following complaints of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. All right. Now to an update on what's actually happening on the ground in the Middle East. Israel says that it has moved into a new phase of the war, focusing on the south. The epicenter of the fighting is now Han Yunus, the biggest city in the southern part of the Gaza Strip. Israel believes that Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar, the mastermind of the October 7th attacks, could be hiding in tunnels underneath the city. Israeli officials believe that eliminating Sinwar and his close associates could accelerate Hamas's military collapse and an end to the war. Residents in Han Yunus say Israeli tanks have reached the main north-south road through the city after intense fighting. This is a city, by the way, that is filled with people who have already been displaced from elsewhere in the region, particularly the north. The IDF made an urgent appeal for civilians to leave specific parts of the city. Many left. Many did not, saying that there is simply nowhere left to go that is safe. Now, there is also fighting in the north. In the beginning of the war, if you remember, Israel had ordered the north to be evacuated. But people that are still there have described some of the most intense fighting of the war so far. The Israeli military has been searching and detaining hundreds of Palestinian men in and around Gaza City in the north. You may have seen these images circulating photos of Gazan men stripped down to their underwear. Now, the Israeli military says many of the men are militants who are surrendering, a sign that Hamas is losing control of the Gaza Strip. They say they need the men to strip down to ensure that they are not wearing explosive vests. They say some of the men have emerged from tunnels and surrendered with their hands up. Officials telling The Wall Street Journal that militants wear civilian clothing and hide in U.N. schools and shelters among civilians. Now, a Hamas spokesperson denying that militants surrendered. They say the images are of civilians that have been arrested by Israeli forces. Either way, these images are quite controversial. And even the head of the Israeli Security Council, Seki Hanegmi, says that the photos themselves do not help anything. He says once the men are checked to ensure that they don't have weapons, they will get dressed. And the Arab world is just viewing these images as Israelis trying to humiliate the Palestinians and as a violation of military rules. Meanwhile, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, for the first time invoked Article 99 of the U.N. Charter. It lets the U.N. chief inform the Council of Matters that he believes threaten international peace and security. He is warning of a humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza and urged the council to demand a ceasefire. The deputy ambassador, Robert Wood of the United States, he called this resolution imbalanced, rushed and ignored U.S. diplomatic efforts to get more aid into Gaza and free hostages that have been taken by Hamas. He said Hamas has no desire to see a durable peace, to see a two-state solution. And he also criticized the council for failing to condemn the October 7th attack on Israel. 
But it does signal a growing divide between the United States and some of its closest allies, France and Japan, notably supported a ceasefire. The UK abstained. And the humanitarian situation in Gaza is pretty dire. Gaza's health authorities, which are controlled by Hamas, say that about 18,000 people have been killed. The vast majority of Gazan residents have been forced from their homes. The UN Secretary General saying he is not going to give up appealing for a ceasefire. Now, in terms of a timeline for the fighting, an Israeli defense official tells Axios that the U.S. wants Israel to end the high-intensity phase of the operation by the end of December. So that's in just a couple of weeks. Israel, though, they say, is aiming for the end of January. All right, plenty of news coming up. But first, a word from some of our sponsors. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Personally, I have been loving them. They save me so much time. They're delicious. I feel like I'm eating like a fancy meal uh, when I'm home. I personally have been loving also the cold-pressed juices, the pasta dishes, and a bunch of the different chicken meals. So you could skip all of your meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, cleaning up, and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in about two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from more than 35 chef-crafted meals every week. They support a healthy lifestyle and meet all of your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan, protein-plus, whatever you're looking for, they have it. And factor not just for dinner. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab and go snacks, and ready to drink cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor packed meals ready in two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash monews50. So use that code monews50, M O N E W S 50 to get 50% off. And that's at factormeals.com. Again, that is slash monews50 for 50% off. All right. And if you are a longtime listener, you know we have been drinking AG1 for about a year now here over at the podcast. Especially as a mom of two young kids, I could use all of the help I could get when it comes to nutrition and just my energy level. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. AG1 is continuously refining their formula to create smarter, better ways to elevate your baseline health. It's tested for 950 contaminants. It's NSF certified for sport, formulated on the latest science and maintains the highest quality standards. I take AG1 in the morning and I know I am covered for the day regardless of what else I eat. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash monews. That is drinkag1.com slash monews. Check it out. Time now for the speed read from The Hill. Former President Trump not expected to take the stand today in a civil fraud trial. As of yesterday afternoon, his attorney was saying she was advising him not to take the stand, but that he strongly felt like he wanted to. 
Somewhere along the line, he decided that he was not going to take the stand after all. Remember, this is a civil case brought by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, claiming that Trump's business engaged in a decade of fraud. So she claims the Trump organization falsely adjusted the value of his assets to get better loans and insurance benefits. At risk in this case, basically Trump's entire business empire, particularly in New York. He did take the stand last month defending his business practices, saying that he listened to his financial experts and downplaying key financial documents, basically just saying that the trial is corrupt. So stay tuned for what happens today. He is still the heavy frontrunner in the Republican presidential primary. So far, this case or any of these cases have had very little impact. And if anything, they're making some Republican voters rally around him. And again, this is just a civil case. He does not face any jail time here. But Trump's legal problems do not end with this case. The former president faces a combined 91 charges across four criminal cases, the first of which is expected to head to trial in Washington on March 4th. From the Tennessean, at least six people have been killed as tornadoes rampaged through Middle Tennessee this past weekend. Cars flipped on highways. Shoppers had to hunker down in store basements. Trees buckled. Homes were ripped apart. Power failed. Roofs were blown off buildings. There were reports of first responders attempting to rescue people that were trapped in their homes. Tornadoes ripped through Middle Tennessee Saturday afternoon and evening, again, killing at least six people, including at least one child and leaving more than 160,000 residents without power. Daylight Sunday brought evidence of just the horrors from the night prior. Police had identified the three people who were killed in storms in Nashville. It was a couple and their two-year-old son. The two of their other children have reportedly survived. Some business news now from Axios. High mortgage rates have all but frozen home sales in America. The lock-in effect is real. Many people want to move but don't want to swap their 3% interest rate for 7 or 8%. As one real estate agent put it, 2023 was, quote, the year your first home accidentally became your forever home. In October, the number of pending home sales, deals that went into contract, neared their lowest point in history. Plus, it got even harder for first-timers to make the leap to home ownership. You now have to earn $115,000 a year to afford a typical house. Mortgage rates would need to slide significantly to loosen homeowners' golden handcuffs. Some buyers are starting to accept that rates probably won't fall back to pandemic levels. Others have found deals on new constructions, townhomes, or condos. From CNN Business, Dollar General joining the growing list of retail chains reversing course on self-checkout technology. The CEO says we had started to rely too much this year on self-checkout in our stores. We should be using self-checkout as a secondary checkout vehicle, not primary. Dollar General had aggressively expanded self-checkout stations, adding them to more than half of its approximately 19,000 stores. The company also piloted stores with only self-checkout options and no cashier lanes. Like other retailers, Dollar General bet that self-checkout would reduce its labor costs and speed up checkout. But Dollar General, which has skeleton staffing levels in stores, recently began reassigning workers to the front of its stores to ring customers up. The company revised its self-checkout strategy to improve sales and cut down on merchandise losses, something that is known as shrink. Shrink includes shoplifting, employee theft, damaged products, administrative errors, online fraud, and other factors. 
The CEO saying it helps on the sales lines because we've got somebody to meet, greet, and ring up the customer. It also helps on the shrink line because we've got somebody at the front end of the store that is always there to monitor the area. Shrink has been a growing problem for retailers. They have blamed shoplifting for the increase in losses and called for tougher criminal penalties. But retailers' self-checkout strategies have also contributed to their shrink problems. Retailers lose more possible sales with self-checkout than full service, both from intentional shoplifting and just honest mistakes by customers. Walmart recently removed self-checkout machines at some stores in New Mexico this year. ShopRite pulled them at a Delaware store after complaints from customers. At a handful of stores, Target has restricted self-checkout to customers that are buying 10 items or fewer. And Costco said that it is adding more staff in self-checkout areas after it found that non-members were sneaking in to use membership cards that didn't belong to them. And finally, from CNN, Barbie and Ken will likely grace the stage at the Golden Globes next month. But the show's organizer is having a hard time finding someone to host the event. The Globe nominations are being announced this morning. And a search for the host is still underway. Two-time Oscar host Chris Rock, among those to decline offers to host the January 7th ceremony, as have at least four other A-list comedic actors. A representative for Rock declined to comment. Rock, who was asked to host the previous Golden Globes, last attended a major award show in 2022. That is when he was famously slapped at the Oscars by Will Smith if you remember, for telling a joke that referenced Jada Pinkett Smith's battle with alopecia. Rock will likely be a nominee at the upcoming ceremony in the new category of Best Performance in Stand-Up Comedy on Television for his Netflix special, Chris Rock, Selective Outrage. Another potential nominee for her performance in the Netflix series, Beef, Ali Wong, was also approached to host the Globes. Sources say that she declined as well. Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman, they co-host the podcast Smart Less. They reportedly turned down an offer to joint MC the Globes. A majority of the award show ceremonies have actually gone without a host, but they seem to draw more chatter when they have one or even two. There's little hope Amy Poehler and Tina Fey would return. They have previously promised they are done with the gig, and apparently they meant it. A spokesperson for the Golden Globes declined to comment, but a source familiar with the search say that there are three very serious conversations going on with potential hosts. So what is going on? Why doesn't anyone want to host this thing? Uh, Turns out talent turning down the job to host a major award show, not unusual and certainly not unique to the Globes. For an up-and-coming comedian, the gig could be the opportunity of a lifetime, but for a seasoned vet, with all the preparation and the the immediate and often negative feedback, the juice is not worth the squeeze. One publicist says it is a thankless job. Another says there are just a lot of politics. It's not easy and it's not fun anymore. Okay, so that is that. We'll see who winds up hosting, if anyone. All right, it is now time for On This Day in History. Let's start with On This Day, December 11th, 1936. You may have seen it on The Crown. Edward VIII became the only British sovereign to voluntarily resign the crown. His abdication formally was approved on this day. He did it to marry American divorcee Wallace Warfield Simpson. On this day in 1967, the acclaimed American film Guess Who is Coming to Dinner premiered in New York City. 
It was a lesson in racial tolerance and etiquette starring Katherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy and Sidney Poitier. On this day in 1964, 32-year-old soul icon Sam Cooke was shot and killed in a Los Angeles hotel room. The details surrounding his death remain a mystery. On this day in 1970, John Lennon released his debut solo album, John Lennon Plastic Ono Band. And finally, on this day in 1998, the Judiciary Committee of the U.S. House recommended three articles of impeachment against then-President Bill Clinton, The next day, a fourth article was added. The impeachment was for actions taken in connection with his affair with White House intern Monica Lewinsky. All right. With that, a big thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. Mosh, if you are listening, hope you are feeling better. Everyone out there, if you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. And don't forget to give us a follow over on Instagram at Mosh, M-O-S-H-E-H. And feel free to follow me as well. I am at Jill R. Wagner. If you message me, just want to say hi, I usually respond. All right, everyone. Have a good Monday. Uh, Hopefully make it a good start to the week. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.